This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Now, I've talked a lot on the air, on the radio, about my trip to Europe. We sailed, sailed, cruise. It wasn't on a sailboat in the middle of the Mediterranean. <laughs> uh, we took a cruise, my wife, my son, and I. Started in Barcelona, went to Marseille, France, down the coast of Italy, Genoa, Naples, Messina, went to Malta, and then back. Then we went to Lake Garda, Italy, then Frankfurt, and that was more of a land thing and driving there and flying there. It was fabulous. I'll just tell everybody, if you want a chance to go see a different part of the world, if you can do it on a cruise, go do it because the cruise basically takes you to the city. Then you can get off and you can go visit the city, get on, go to a new city. And we loved it. We had a great time. But I talked a lot about it on the radio. I know people don't get a chance to. If they want to hear more about it, I can explain it. But I do not have quite the story that Matt has about his trip because as beautiful as mine was, I was hurting for you, pal. I'll tell you that. Well, I appreciate it. Uh, let me ask you this, though, before I share my story. What was your favorite stop of your trip? Lake Garda, Italy. No doubt about it. Incredibly beautiful. I did not realize it's in northern Italy, kind of just south of the Swiss Alps, actually. Okay. And it's just these really nice towns and villages, nice ones. Like if you took a nice, I said, this is how I described it. I don't know if anybody's ever been to Sarasota out there who's listening, but take Sarasota and put it in the middle of the mountains, just some, a little bit less people, but that's the way it was. These incredible shops and restaurants all over the place. It wasn't like some fishing village. You know what I mean? Not like you go to like the, the, the great Northwest in Alaska or even the, the new England area. Like this, these were nice areas set in the mountains. I'm a city boy, Matt. I like uh-huh. living in the city. I like people. And this was like, I said, man, I think I could live here. That's how incredible it was. Like, I'm not, I don't need to go live on a beach somewhere. That's not for me. That's not what this was. That was my favorite part of the whole thing. I think as far as cities, but I loved everywhere we went, loved Sorrento slash Genoa. Yep. Loved Naples. My family's from there. My father's from there. We went to Pompeii yep. bucket list. Are you kidding me? Got that crossed off. And then intrinsically, I think for us, one of the things that really made this for me, Matt, was Max got to see where his dad's side of the family is from, Naples, Italy, and where his mom's side of the family is from. My wife is literally from Frankfurt, Germany, grew up there. He got to see all of that. That was great. And I don't want to leave this before you tell your story without saying, visited the Buffalo Bills Backers Pub in Milan, Italy. And David was there. He owns it. Marco helped set it up and let me get in touch with David. We visited Lino in Genoa, who's a pastor in Genoa and a big Bills fan. He's part of that. It was awesome. So thank you very much. Forza Buffalo for all of you Bills backers in Italy, people who are out there listening. 
thank you so much for welcoming me. And it was fabulous. I'm glad you had a trip, a great trip. That sounds amazing. And, you know, definitely once in a lifetime. Now I'm going to, I'm going to share my story and I'm going to start with this. Like perspective is incredibly important. At the end of the day, I'm going to talk about COVID. Like it's Mm -hmm. a very real thing. We are lucky because we're all okay. Everybody who got COVID recovered from COVID. And this has done so much worse to so many people that it almost like feels selfish or stupid to like talk about something that's so trivial as vacation. But it's kind of funny. And sometimes you just kind of have to laugh at yourself and laugh at the situations. And that was one of the ways that we ultimately got through what ended up happening. So like you, completely coincidental, my family was taking a 13-day trip two weeks, essentially, to Italy. This was originally planned for 2020. The pandemic happened. It was pushed back to 2021. Then it was pushed back to 2022. We had in total 12 members of my family, my wife's family, my extended family going on this trip. So it was really, really exciting. We were supposed to leave on July 1st. We get to the airport in Buffalo on July 1st, and there's a mechanical issue with the plane, and we're going to miss our connection. Our connection was Buffalo to Philly, Philly to Rome. So there was a mechanical issue. It delayed the flight like an hour. Then there was bad weather. So then we were going to miss the connection in Philly, and we weren't going to be able to get to Italy. But we were traveling with seven people. There's not a ton of flights to Italy where they can just take seven people and move them from one flight to another. So then we went from flying out on Friday and getting there first thing in the morning Saturday to flying out late Sunday and getting there on Monday. So right off the bat, before we even left Buffalo, the trip was cut more than two days short. So it went from from 13 days to like 10 and a half days. We get to Rome on Monday. Everything goes smooth. Tried to make the most of the day. We got in there at like noon or something like that. We wanted to go to the Vatican. We wanted to see that. Um, you know, my dad, my sister, they were able to go to the Coliseum. My wife and I had already been there. So we decided to take a nap instead of go to the Coliseum that day. And then we went for an amazing dinner with our family that night. That was probably like the highlight of the trip. The next day we made the trip from Rome to Sorrento. Okay. You went to Sorrento. That was like the most beautiful place that maybe I've ever seen in my it's, life. It was incredible. Did it you was, get, did you, did you get limoncello? Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. We drank limoncello. That was great. Yes. I, yeah. We plenty of limoncello uh-huh. and then we went to Capri and that was just absolutely stunning. It's a small Island off of Sorrento, but then we started to like, not feel good. Like plenty of people started, you know, cold symptoms, sneezing, coughing, fever symptoms. And you're like, okay, like, you start to like compartmentalize. You're like, okay, maybe it's like jet lag. Maybe it's I'm not hydrated enough. I started to just feel like garbage a couple of days later and several other people did as well. Uh, so this was a bus tour. So like we were, you were on a cruise ship. We were going like city to city on like a nice coach bus. Then they would drop us off and we would do everything and they would transport all over. So there was 12 members of our family, 16 people on the entire tour and the one ride from like Sorrento to Florence, it, it sounded like we were in like the waiting room of a doctor's office. It was just nonstop coughing, sneezing, all of this stuff. And with the rising COVID rates, especially in Italy, they were like, hey, like, like be safe. Everybody go like get tested and see what's going on. And I knew it immediately. 
Like I took the test and you know how they say like, wait 15 minutes to look at for your results. Yes. Excel, I took that test and that line was showing up six seconds after that. I put the droplets on the COVID test and I was like, oh, oh no. And keep no. in mind, like a lot of people are like, oh, how many times you've been? We've probably been tested because of our jobs with Bill's games 75 times, a hundred times in the last year, two years, three years, whatever it is. So on the second or on the third day of the trip, I test positive and the rules in Italy are that you need to quarantine for seven days. Oh man. So, Oh man. But it wasn't just me. It was myself. It ended up also being my mother, my cousins, my my aunt and my uncle. So literally Matt, half of the group, tested positive. So then we kind of reached like a crossroads. We're like, okay, like, what do we do? Like, how do we break this up? So my wife and her family, thank God they didn't get sick. They were able to continue on with the trip. My dad and my sister were like, listen, like you guys are stuck in quarantine for a week. Like we're worried about getting sick. They flew home. We were like, Hey, just go home. Like get home before if, cause if you're going to get sick, you'd rather have to quarantine, especially because they tested negative at our house as opposed to, you know, in a hotel room. So Sal, my 13 day trip turned into a two and a half day trip. And I was stuck in a hotel room with my mother for a week in Italy. And you couldn't leave like that. Like that's their rules. So we had to honor all of their rules. And, you know, like you also want to be responsible. Like, you know, you don't want to infect other people. You don't want to go out, do anything like that. So legitimately I'm stuck in an Italian hotel room with a TV that only has Italian stations in spotty Wi-Fi for a week. It was, it was not, I mean, it it was like one of those situations where you just had to like, you kind of had to laugh at it. And you're just kind of like, I can't believe that this happened. It was one of those, like everything that could have went wrong kind of went wrong. Yeah. So it like, whatever it happened, but I will say my one like silver lining from this is, Hey, everybody, if you're going on a trip, if you're going on like a once in a lifetime big trip, look into trip insurance, because I think that's going to ultimately be the saving grace that like we will be able to kind of get reimbursed because our trip was, you know, completely flipped upside down. So hopefully, you know, it's a shame. Unbelievable. It's a it's a shame that it happened. But like I said, all that you could do in that situation is like just try and stay positive because it was, you know. It was not, but it like also, and this sounds crazy, but like just a week made me appreciate things so much. I got back yeah. to Buffalo and I felt like I won the lottery. I was like, huh, oh my God, right. like I'm finally, I'm like, I can't wait to go to Bill's practice. I can't wait to get back to work. I can't wait to just like get home. Like uh, all the things that you take for granted immediately became like, wow, like I really appreciate that. So it was, uh, it was a lot of just like, literally just like sitting there. Like I, there wasn't really much else you could do. What in, in your fa- everybody is everybody back where they need to be now? Everybody is back where they need to be now. But my goodness, was it a journey to get back because people had to like separate yeah. and go into different directions. So and, we and were, everybody's healthy. Everybody's good. There's no lingering. A couple of people are still dealing with like some lingering side wow. effects and whatnot. Yeah, but sick. but, you know, like it seems like like we said, like COVID, it was it was, it was so impactful for so many people that yeah. like it could always be so much worse. So where, it's like, where were you in Italy again when this happened? So I, so I was in Florence. Uh, we just had gotten to Florence and Florence is like one of my favorite places in the world. I've told my, my wife 
time and time again, like my dream is to one day have like a little house somewhere in Tuscany and like, you know, be able to go spend months at a time there. And now I'm like, I don't ever want to go back to Florence again. I don't ever want to see that place. So we were in Florence, but then the rest of the tour continued in Venice. So then the family kind of had to split and some of them went to Venice and all of this other stuff. And like one of the best parts about like being in Italy too, is like, oh, the food, like, oh yeah, you're going oh, yeah, to eat course. all this amazing food. But when you have COVID and you're stuck in a hotel, you really don't have like an appetite. So like sale, this is like sacrilegious. Like I was eating like chicken McNuggets from like Uber Eats in an Italian hotel because uh. it was like the only thing that I like could get access to. So it was like uh. the first two nights, you, these amazing meals with family and lemoncello and gelato and orangini yeah. and all this amazing stuff. And it's like all the stuff that you look forward to. And then it was like, all right, well, we could get Subway or chicken nuggets. What are we going to do? And wow. I'm yeah, that's so, I feel so bad listening to this, man. You know what? Though? I feel like, guilty because I was over there enjoying myself and none of this happened. And like, I felt like, oh my God, when we missed our connection from Frankfurt to Barcelona and they got out of the next flight. And then our flight back from New York, New York to Buffalo was canceled. And mm-hmm. we had to fly into Rochester and a friend came, picked us up. And like, I'm like, yeah, compared to you, I don't, this was nothing. I mean, absolutely nothing. I'll take that a million times. It's one of the, like, it, it, it sucks that it happened, but at the same time, it, it, like it's my, my grandfather who was from Italy. And one of the really cool things, like you mentioned that Max got to see where your family was yes. from and got to see where his mom was from. One of the cool things was the first time I went to Italy, I never got to see the village where my grandfather was from and just coincidentally, when we were driving from, I think, Sorrento to Florence, we passed right through the village of where my grandfather was from. And he used to have this line that he would tell us all the time, like whether things were like going good or things were a disaster, he would just always say like, oh, we're making memories. So like that was kind of the line that we like latched onto as my mom and I were sitting in an Italian hotel room, just like trying not to lose our minds. We would be like, well, we're making memories. Like right now this stinks, but in six months, this will be a funny thing to look back on and talk about. So all things considered, whatever. But if you're going on a trip, get trip insurance because it is going to come up. Re- well, I hope it's going to come up real clutch when we look at everything. That's for sure. And you're going to go back at some point to make. I will. Place. I will definitely go back because it's still if you have not been one of the most like one of the most beautiful places in the world, the like Amalfi Coast, Sorrento, Capri area is yeah. gorgeous. Oh my god! I like you said. What was it, Lake Garda? That yeah, was northern Italy. Yes, we. Were, so I missed this, but my family, my wife and her mother and brother, got to go to Lake Como, and then they also yeah. went into Switzerland. They went into Lugano. I was really looking forward to that, but they did bring back a bunch of like Swiss chocolate, so we got that at least. So that's good. Um, and Sal, before we end, do you want to answer a couple questions? Because we did get some people. We could. We could us. do that. We. Uh, I think we have a few minutes go right ahead what do do you have all right so this is from joe buffalo wins you know we appreciate him yeah we know joe and he just said my question is if you were opposing offensive or defensive coordinators facing the bills how would you attack them i thought that was an interesting question i have an answer for the offensive side do you have a question or do you have an answer one way or the other hmm um i would let me see how would i attack the bills defense I think I would do and go back to kind of what the Chiefs have done a lot of and try to get the ball to my fast guys and let them make plays. Mm-hmm. I want the Bills to have to prove to me that they can run around and tackle people. And it's hard to go over the top. The de- defense is not designed. The defense is designed, excuse me, to not allow that to happen. 
And I think they're just so well fundamentally sound that you have to put them in position to, to try and force them to make mistakes. I think, and I agree with you on that. And my standpoint from the offense is kind of similar to, there have been very few teams who have been able to like completely destroy the bills, but, and it's not even so much a schematic thing, but I still think a really, and this kind of sounds like a dumb answer, but like, I think back to the Jags game and like Josh Allen from the Jags gave the bills fits in that game. Look back to the Steelers game last year, the bills offensive line just could not hold up against the Steelers pass rush. And that ultimately led to some favorable situations. So like if you're a defense, I think you just need to scheme up every way possible of getting to Josh Allen and getting to the quarterback. And if you do that, then you start to like second guess those throws that you feel comfortable making, or maybe you try and do a little too much. And that's usually when mistakes happen. So I don't know if it's necessarily like an exact scheme thing that I think teams should do, but I think if you're going against the bills and you're an opposing defensive coordinator, your biggest thing to fix, because it's so obvious to say like, okay, we got to contain Josh Allen. We got to stop him. But like, he's reached the level where like, you're really not going to do that. You just have to figure out a way of like, okay, how are we going to get to the quarterback and how are we going to make sure if we put all of our eggs into that basket that they don't just feast over the top? And it's easier said than done. Like the Bills have one of the best offenses in the NFL. So it's not like a lot of teams can do that. But I think that's really the only way you can have success against them. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, they're so well put together. Their roster is so good. Look around. Everybody's picking them to win the Super Bowl or at least giving them the best rocker at, roster accolade, however it works. But you know, the, geez, it's such a, we could save this for another topic for another episode, but you know, I think last year, the biggest time they struggled, was when Dawson Knox was out of the lineup. Yeah. You know, right. That's really mm-hmm. when it really hurt them more than anything. When he was out of the lineup, I think that, that kind of became, Oh, you know what? Maybe that's something you need to do. Take away Dawson Knox, which maybe that's why they went out and signed OJ Howard. And they maybe, maybe plan on having an extra tight end on the field this year. We don't know how that's going to look. Any other questions you got that came your way when you tweeted it out? Yeah. Another one from a Joe and it's just, what has this team done to improve in winning close games? And I thought it was interesting. And Joe, I'm going to tell you, I don't think they've done anything specific to try and, you know, improve on winning closer games. I just kind of think it's the luck of the draw because two years ago, this team was really good at winning close games. I think sale two years ago, I think they won every one score game except the Houston game or excuse me, the Arizona game, the, you know, the hell Mary pass. So I think it's just kind of like luck of the draw. And I think that it'll even itself out. And that's one of the reasons too. like a lot of people look at that metric as like one of those things that can show a team is either going to improve or to regress because it's just kind of luck at that point. So for the Bills, like the games that they won last year, they just flat out won. They dominated those games. So if they win half of the one possession games, then they're ultimately in, you know, that much better of a situation as they had. Like, look at some of the one possession games that they lost last year. Like they lose the Titans game because Josh, whether he slips, he loses his footing. The offensive line doesn't hold up. Like give them that situation hundred times. I think they're converting like 95 of them in that hap- They just, in that instance, they didn't same thing with, well, obviously like the chiefs playoff game with the 13 seconds, even like the Steelers game that they ended up coming. Like, I think in a different situation, like mm-hmm. I think if they would have played the Steelers 10 times last year, they would have won the next nine. They just happened to lose that one because everything that could go wrong did read the question again. I want to make sure I can, can you read that one more time? What has the team done to improve in winning close games? I think it's signing Von Miller. 
That's a good I think point. It's closing it out, right? I mean, that's what to me, and, and even like Sean McDermott has talked about it. Um, Brandon Bean more so has talked about it. Like they think if he if he's on the field, maybe in those last few seconds, maybe they get to Patrick Mahomes, right? Close out the game, close out the one score game. I think that's the difference. Maybe you sack Ben Roethlisberger before he throws the ball to who was it? Deontay Johnson who caught it on Levi Wallace. But either way, you know, you get my point that. I think to me, that's what they did. They went out and signed Von Miller and said, he's the difference in the one score game and the close game to close it out and make the difference in this one. Yeah, you look at the Chiefs game. Jerry Hughes was like a split second away from getting right. to Mahomes on that last play. And no knock on Jerry Hughes, but maybe if that's Von Miller in that situation, the play never happens because he gets there the split second before. And this isn't a question sale, but we'll end on this. This is from Tanner. He says, nothing is as important as the red helmets right now. And I have an incredibly hot take. I don't like the red helmets. I don't think they should bring back the red helmets. I think they have one of the best uniform combinations in the league. And if it's not broke, don't fix it. I love your take. I'm not totally where you are, but I'm a lot similar than you because I, I, yeah, I remember the red helmets. I like when they went back to the white. When I was a kid, they wore white. Then they went mm-hmm. to red and obviously the Super Bowl years and all that. So I think some people remember, remember them so fondly because of that. Then they went back to white. And I'm like, yeah, those are sharper. I like those. I actually think the white looks better with their color scheme than the red looks. I agree. I think the white helmets pop. I think they were yeah. a really clean look. And I think just like with HD cameras and like the way TV works right now, like if you're watching the game from home, the white helmets look so much sharper than the red helmets would look. And I just think of like some of the teams that have tried to use red helmets over the years. And I just never really think they look that great. But I think the white just like really, really pops. Did you like the Bengals all white they unveiled? I like the Bengals stuff that they unveiled. I will say Houston just released an all red helmet, red helmet and, that yep. got, and that got a lot of Bills fans like excited and a lot of people loved it. The Houston one. And I was just like, yeah, it's fine. I was like, eh, I don't really know. I'm also the same way though. I don't like the color rush jerseys at all. I don't like the red Bills jerseys either. So maybe I just have something against the color red. I'm just like, give me the blue and white. Give me the white. My favorite Bills jersey combination is the standing Buffalo helmet with the white jerseys and the white pants. Yeah, I like the standing Buffalo. I was going to say, instead of red, I would rather just have a standing Buffalo on the white every once in a while. Um, I do not know if they're going to go to red helmets. I don't think they will, considering they haven't announced anything. I will tell you, I don't believe from what I've been told, they will do anything with a third like uniform this year, like, a, you know, a, the, the actual alternate uniforms. I don't know about the helmet specifically. I think they would align that they're not going to do anything with that this year, but it, they could. But as far as alternate uniforms from the way I've been told, I don't think that's going to happen, Matt, not this year. And the big thing from like two years ago, maybe it was a year ago, was the white face masks. The Bills went yeah. from the gray face mask to the white face masks. I think that's a really clean look. I think that just kind of like completes it. I, I mean, like I said two minutes ago, I think the Bills have one of the cleanest looks in the entire. I love the colors. Like, I think the colors are really, really sharp. I think maybe pound for pound, Buffalo sports teams have about as good as your as good as uniform. Com- it was not always that way because <laughs> I, re- I remember those disgusting Navy Bills jerseys that like Drew Bledsoe and Travis Henry Henry were wearing. Yes. And then, of course, like there have been some really bad Sabres jerseys over the years. But now, like the combinations for both teams are just mint. Hey, look good. Play good. That's what they say, right? 
Well, we hope we sounded good to you today on It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. Once again, please subscribe to this podcast wherever you pod. Apple iTunes, Spotify, Odyssey, Matt Bove from Channel 7, Sports Director, WKBW-TV. You are going to be out a lot at training camp, right? You're going to be out there pretty much every day filming stuff. Every day. I should be there. I am getting my things together. I'm just going to basically, maybe I'll just bring the suitcase I had for Italy. Yeah, because yeah. Like, there you I go. Didn't, I didn't wear any of that stuff. I just wore like a t-shirt and shorts all day. And then I got to go out. It, the one thing that I do have to buy sale is I got to go buy like a mattress topper. I haven't needed one of those in a long time because you take the two twin yeah. beds at training camp, you squish them together, you put the mattress topper in the middle. So, you know, if you're, you know, if you're going to have to sleep on twin cots at training camp you got to give yourself a little bit of comfort and you can come to my dorm room if you need coffee i'll have my coffee maker i'll be bringing that so that's such a boss move i love <laughs> i, I love i love that the, the only thing that i've ever brought that was like not an essential was we brought a GameCube like four or five years ago and we played a lot of mario kart when we had downtime so that was that was really fun well your downtime now is going to be uh editing film of Von Miller getting after quarterbacks and hopefully not hitting them, but getting after them at training camp because it's right around the corner, folks. It's going to be here. Make sure you catch up with uh, Matt over at channel seven. I'll be on WGR of course. And hopefully you download, subscribe to this podcast and throw us a nice five-star rating and review till the next time for Matt Bove. I'm Sal Capaccio. It's always game day in Buffalo. Thanks for listening. Okay. Picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.